Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes, guys, I've got a full squad here with Michael Bridges, Thomas Sorensen, and Mark Schwarzer as we talk all things Socceroos, Graham Arnold's team selection, Bruno Fornaroli's controversial call-up. We go to the Premier League, Arsenal in their top four race. How good is Arteta doing? Kane and Son, are they the best duo in the Premier League? And is David Moyes the best manager out of the top three? We go around Europe and talk everything from PSG's collapse to an incredible El Clasico win for Xavi and huge World Cup qualifiers coming up this weekend. Who will make Qatar 22 and who will watch from the comfort of their own couch? All that and much more coming up on the game. What's happening, football fans? Welcome back to the Gagan Pod. I've got the band back together from all around the world. We've got Thomas Sorensen, Mark Schwarzer, and Michael Bridges joining us to chat all things football. We've got so much to get through, so I'm going to kick it off with some breaking news that's come out this morning on Paulo Dybala, who's had a two-hour meeting with the guys at Juventus, couldn't reach an agreement beyond this season, so he will be leaving. Michael Bridges, which club should be looking to snap this young lad up? I would love to see him come to Tottenham Hotspur when Harry Kane leaves, but I I can see Man United as well. I think they'll be the clubs chasing him. And don't count out another team that wear black and white. He'll be going from Juve to possibly (laughs) Newcastle United. They've got the money, Claude. So, yeah, Spurs Spurs will lose Harry Kane. And Man United, you know, Carvani... Not in, not in favour. Ronaldo, is he going to have one more year? Um, Dybala could be a massive, massive marquee signing for them. Yeah, we say it every year that the transfer market's going to be one of the biggest ever because so many players out of contract have seen Juventus now saying goodbye to Paolo Tibala, but Tommy, they've uh, welcomed, by all reports, Antonio Rudiger on a four-year contract who's leaving Chelsea on a free. Is that a pretty good move there for Juventus that need a li- little bit more defensive solidarity after recent performances? Yeah, I think so. You know, Rudiger has been a mainstay at Chelsea. I think he's he's been definitely one of their most consistent defenders. Um, and again, what what happens uh, there? They've got aging defenders, obviously. Delict, we don't know quite uh, what what his situation is. So, I think it'd be great great move for for, for both Rudiger and uh, Juventus. Yeah, brilliant. Well. Transfer news, we're starting very, very early. There's still a full season to finish up. We are on an international break now. We had a crazy weekend of league football, cup football. Now we move into an international break. And, of course, all eyes for us are on the Socceroos. Former Socceroos just uh, was kind enough to get off the beach and join us on the Gagan pod today. He's over in Trinidad, Mark Schwarzer. Schwarzy, plenty of news coming out of Socceroos camp. Of course, there's been changes to the squad due to COVID. Our own manager, Graham Arnold, got pinned with something as well. He's been fined this morning. What have you made of the recent squad selections in the Socceroos? Are you confident going to Thursday night? Um, am I confident? Um, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. I just am because I think uh, the momentum's been lost. Obviously, they seem to be down on confidence. Um, and I think Japan will know how to get a result. And I think because the Socceroos need to win. Listen, obviously, I hope the Socceroos win. I, I, I hope that they can get that win, the vital win. Because if they do, I think Saudi Arabia will, will win their game. And they'll already be assured qualification and therefore potentially would switch off a little bit and allow uh, an opportunity for the Socceroos but yeah obviously the, the big game against Japan I, li- I think he's picked a squad of, of a mixture of obviously new new players um, 
but also players that are in form, which is important, and also players that have been there for a number of uh, years now under Graham Arnold. So he's obviously gone for that continuity as well, but possibly the surprise element. Mm. Tommy, I want to come back to you on a player that you you would know a thing or two about. Bruno Fornaroli, former Melbourne City striker, currently playing with Perth Glory, was called up to the Socceroos, which is amazing. It's, uh, he's set to make his first international appearance. And I spoke to him yesterday, and he's smiling from ear to ear. He's absolutely glowing with this selection. But I don't know, maybe maybe unfortunately, it's been one of the most controversial call-ups in recent history to the Socceroos. It's been met with a little bit of criticism um, by some people. I think really saying that calling up a 34-year-old striker is, is, a, is saying something about our ability to to develop our own strikers, Tommy. Do you see it like that, or do you think this is something that should be celebrated? You know, I, I think uh, the passion he's shown. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a good friend of his, and, and I was the first one to, to text him, and, and uh, just the excitement I got back from him. Um, you know, he's proud uh, to be part of this Socceroos squad, uh, and he's proud Australian. So I think, first of all, that settles the argument, should he be in or not. But, you know, this is a must-win game. And uh, you need experience, and you need the X factor. So, so he's not. You know, we can all agree he's not a long-term fix for anything. But, but short-term, he can offer the Socceroos something different. Um, you know, he's shown that. Um, you know, wherever he's gone in the A League, uh, you know, he's got free kicks. Uh, you know, he, he can score unbelievable goals. So I think. You know, just for that, you, you need him to potentially come on as a as a joker sometime in, in the game, um, you know, if you need that little bit extra. So I think it's a good selection. Um, yes, will it be a long-term thing? And, you know, uh, no, for sure not. But uh, right now, good good selection in my eyes. I don't think it matters how old he is. No, no. I honestly mm -hmm. don't. All, all it is is about getting us straight to the World Cup. Yeah. So yeah. if this is his only foray with the, with the national team, so be it. But... If he comes in and makes an impact, then I think that it won't be his last appearance because the World Cup's only around the corner. So uh, for me, it's about picking your strongest possible side to get Australia to the World Cup, where we're coming down into a position where we're, you know, I suppose saying desperate is always sounding quite extreme, but I think we're getting there. You know, we, we don't want to go through the playoffs um, system. You certainly don't want to be playing against fifth place in South America, albeit one-off games. But um, listen, I think if... Um, if uh, doesn't matter how, someone, how old someone is, if they can help the Socceroos qualify directly for the World Cup, go yeah, for it. And if you can get any form of extra little bit of help, like Swartzy and Thomas have been saying, a man that's in form can potentially get nick a goal, do some damage, can give Australia and the Socceroos that extra little one or two percent on the field or something that he can, we know he's capable of doing because we see it, then why not? I remember Jack, Jack Charlton when he did it with the, the Irish team. And he completely transformed, he totally went left field, was trying all sorts to get players in that were somehow affiliated with a passport for that country, and it worked wonders for them. So, listen, let's give it a go. I'm, I'm a big fan of Fornaroli's, I like what he's all about, and especially when he's... I, I always have a look at him before pre-season, I don't know if you agree with this, Tommy always looks like he's just carrying a little bit, he seems to enjoy himself off the field, but then as soon as pre-season <laughs> comes in the first game of the season, once he gets in his stride, he's absolutely brilliant, big fan. Uh, he loves his asado, Bridget. So, Tommy, you got a couple. <laughs> he loves his meat. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his meat. There you go. <laughs> Let's hope he lays off and stay nice and fit for this game on Thursday. There's a couple uh, current and former Melbourne City lads in that front line, Tommy. And the other one is Jamie McLaren. Would you say he'd be the man to lead the line on Thursday and, and Bruno Fornaroli off the bench? Or how would you see that playing out? You know what? Uh, I, I, I for sure think McLaren will, will start. I think his form has, yeah. has shown... 
It's it's obviously a, a problem that he's not available for for the second game um, because of his wedding. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I think also they can also play together. Now we, I know we're going to talk a bit about Son and Kane because you know McLaren is, is in behind from Roly is a little bit of of a, a Kane type drifting a little bit deeper can hold up the ball can find the the the, the pass. So you know the, I, I can also see that solution if you if you get yeah. desperate if you def, definitely need a goal late on. Yeah, he's, of course, going to miss that second game because of his wedding. And it just reminded me of Roy Keane when he was asked. I think it was about Robbie Keane with the Irish team that uh, his wife was pregnant. And he goes, well, is he pregnant? If not, then he should be playing, right? That was his answer to, unless he's breastfeeding, he should be playing. So, uh, no, but of course, he'll be he'll be missing that second game to attend his own wedding. But hopefully we, we are still alive in that second game. We get the result against Japan this week. Schwartzy, you caught up with our former manager. Ange Postacoglu, uh, and that one's actually going to drop on Optus tomorrow, I believe, on Wednesday. That one's going to drop. I've got a little grab for you guys to listen to. Do you have any regrets about that decision? Do you look back now and think, I wish I'd just gone to the World Cup, or are you still happy with that decision? You're probably in the best position to answer that as much as me. <laughs> Hang on, I'm asking the question. <laughs> uh, well, you, you did exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, 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 no, no. I, and, and, and I think it's hard for people to understand because yeah. they'll say, well, Mate, it's just another six months. Yeah. And, and in your mind, it's probably, you know, whilst, and again, I'm not going to speak for you, but, you know, whilst it is an emotional decision, it's probably something you've thought about for a long time. I didn't make that decision, you know, at, at the full-time whistle. You know, I'd made that decision a hell of a lot earlier. And I knew it was the best decision. I was in no doubt. And I, and I didn't regret it. I mean, I watched, you know, ended up watching that World Cup. And when you're watching it, you go, geez, you know, I wish I was there and I could have done this and yeah. I could have done that. But... That was more me just feeling like, well, I wanted to contribute more, but I was absolutely 100% that it was the best decision for myself personally. Uh, and I think it was the best decision for, for where I was at. And I've, you know, I think what's happened subsequent to that has sort of justified it in my mind. Schwarzy, did you leave that interview seeing and feeling that you have more in common with the big fella than you thought before? <laughs> he completely caught me off guard when he threw that back at me. I was just like, oh my God, he's got me there, an absolute beauty. Um, and, and I mean, he's right. I mean, we both obviously have a, a similar situation just before I woke up. So I did, I did clarify it um, later on. So I'll leave that to, to hopefully the listeners to, to catch up on that one but yeah, listen Andrew was brilliant to, to talk to and, and he did mention like you said there in that, in that piece he was watching the World Cup he was thinking oh I wish I was there I could have done this I could have done that I, the, the, the go back from me was I never thought that never one moment okay. so but he was brilliant to talk to very open very honest um, as he always is and very engaging um, and uh, I, I tell you what it was it was a, a really good in interview enjoyable interview to sit down and just have a chat about where he is and what he's accomplished and how he feels uh, about Aussie coaches abroad how he was received what it's like and living the dream kind of thing of where he is right now do you know what he didn't give in to Swartzy, what I like, the way he talks? He, he caught you off guard there with it. He obviously thinks about what he's got to say. He didn't know it was coming, but he's, he always seems to be able to throw something in like a spanner in the works and, and catch you off guard. And I think that's what was absolutely needed when he first took over at Celtic because he, he's gone in there with the armour on. Everybody was out to get him and they were just, you know, like giving him little jabs here and there and he, the way he handled the media having had fans up there they they totally totally respected and a lot of the journalists by the way 
the way he was able just to get rid of that and get on with it and say, I'll do the, the talking on the field. And he's actually done both. And I, I, I'm a massive fan of his. And I, I like the journey he's gone on. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the Premier League or in the top league. In, I mean, listen, he is in the top league. He's at a top team. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the Premier League in the next two or three years without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I caught up with Chris Sutton and he was talking about, I asked him very much the same thing about how do you think Ange Postacoglu has done? And also... Did you think he would do so well? And firstly, he said, no, I didn't think he was do so well. Didn't know he was. And then once you do find out a little bit about him, you thought the jump, the the the, the jump up to play, uh, managing Celtic would be too great. Uh, however, he said since then, he just said, listen, he, I think he's done remarkably well. And he said, hats off to the guy. He's done an incredible job considering what needed to happen at yeah. Celtic and how quickly he's transformed the club has been remarkable. Also, when I arrived there, you know, it's Glasgow is one of those cities that, that breathes, eats and sleeps football and you're either a Celtic fan pretty much or a Rangers fan and it so happened to be in a, in a cab that was a, a guy was a Celtic fan and he raved yeah. about it he raved about the way that Celtic are playing and how well Ange has done and how exciting they are to watch he did say though they are susceptible to conceding goals and he wasn't particularly happy about it even though they've got the best defensive record in the league so that's There's some football fans for you <laughs> <laughs> there you go Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, we're excited to see where this season goes. Of course, if he can win it in his first season, how big that would be for all of Australian football and to set the pathway for future Aussie managers. Guys, before we do move on from the Socceroos, because there's so much we have to talk about from the Premier League and the rest of the world of football, I wasn't going to go here, but I've got two questions. Isaac Seaton and Riley Frampton both asking the same question, so I feel like i got to give you both some love. They listen to the podcast every week, always send in their questions. They've asked for us, all of us, to put together... A Socceroos starting 11, who we would start on Thursday. They really want to know. So I thought, you know what, because they've said it, let's go with it. I'm, we're going to quick fire this one, Schwartz in goals. Despite a lack of game time, he's played two uh, Europa League games since the last international break, and that's it. But Matty Ryan should start? Yeah. Yeah, sure. 100%. Um, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because he, because he hasn't, hasn't played. But yeah. Mm. And at the back, when we look at the back line, Tommy, uh, you know, Trent Sainsbury, these guys, it's the usual suspects, isn't it? Milos Degenek, he's one that's moved over to the MLS. But is, is it going to be the usual back line for you that you'd start, uh, given that we have no Harry Suter? Yeah, for sure. And I don't think there's any any other options. You've you got to go with experience. I think uh, the Sainsbury, Degenek uh, has played together, know, know each other. And, and you need that experience uh, for this game. And then you, you can... You, you can you can maybe chop and change a little bit on 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 the on the fullbacks, but uh, the centre halves you know have to stay uh, because the, the big problem for me will 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 get to that will be in midfield. They have to find three new players. Yeah. Exactly right. No Aaron Moy, no Jackson Irvine. There's question marks around Tommy Rogic. Who is the main man in that midfield? Would you say Bridgie? You've absolutely done me here because I honestly have got nothing to add to this because I didn't realise M3 lads are out. What's happened there? Is that with the COVID situation or injuries? Yeah, yeah, the COVID situation has battered us. Uh, Tommy Rogic isn't out for the game, but he limped off after 33 minutes of Celtic's most recent game against Ross County. So, yeah, But he's, he's, not, he's not in the worst situation, though, is he? No, apparently he's going to be fine. He flew to Australia and, yeah. and the physio team will be looking after him. Of course, we've got Aidan Hustich in there as well, which is another very good option to play that 10 position. So I'm sure we're all right. Could be seeing... I was down at the session yesterday 
yesterday. Dennis Genre was in there. He flew in nice and early from France. His team's coming top of the second tier there, looking like they'll be up in Liga. So he's a, a good favourite at the moment to potentially play on Thursday. Um, and then up front, it's the usual suspects, isn't it? Uh, we've yeah. already spoken about that. Jamie McLaren, who's looking for his fourth golden boot. And that's, he's already broken the record. He's looking to extend that even further. So it's a very good question from those guys. There's so much to pick from. You've got me a little bit worried about the midfield. you worried the midfield about the midfield there, though, Claude. Sure. Yeah, man, it's um, that's that's a that's a massive dent. That that is really hard hit, and I didn't realise that that was the situation. Yeah, I, I think uh, Rustic. I think it certainly has to play because I, I watched him a couple of weeks ago when he played against Bayern Munich for Eintracht Frankfurt. I thought he did really, really well um, against obviously a top top class Bayern Munich side. Um, I was in Berlin when uh, when Hertha Berlin played at home against Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Arjun came on probably the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, so he's, he's struggling a little bit for game time. He's playing a couple of games and he's off. And But I still think, I, I like him. I, everything I've seen about him, I think, he's a, I think he's a good player, a really good player and someone that needs to be utilised more with the Socceroos. He's got that X factor, doesn't he? Last one for you, Schwartzy, on this one. Uh, Ryan Grant, he's a local player and he's played for quite a while and he seems to be a bit of a favourite of Graham Arnold. Or Atkinson, who's done very well in Scottish football, another assist on the weekend. Who would you start on the right there? You know, the, the problem you've got, uh, partly, you know, as a manager, and I can imagine as players as well, you, you know, you're sitting there going, okay, you've either got players who've got a real lot of experience, know what it's like to play in the national team, what it's like to play in World Cup qualifiers, mm. uh, and then you've got the ones that don't, the, the young players coming through. Uh, Nathan Atkinson obviously has done well at Hearts, done really well. And uh, I, I think... It's one of it's one of the, it's a difficult decision. I I think the problem you got with the soccer is right now. Aaron Moy's out. Rogic is there's a question mark over him. Um, Jackson Irvine. How many more players do you want to change? How many more players yeah. do you want to bring in and, and and make that change to? And that's the problem I see. And I think that's why he's probably not necessarily going to start with Atkinson. Um, the other thing I can't believe is Cammy Devlin. How he's yeah. not in the side, in the squad. Well, he, yeah, I, I, he, I can't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, he, he did have a bit of an injury cloud in the last couple of weeks, and I think that might have impacted his selection, but it seems like only a matter of time until he's in this squad, surely, um, especially with all these players out with injury in the midfield. So yep. let's see. We'll watch this space closely. We're a big fan of Cammies. Let's move on from the Socceroos. Big game coming up, and I'm sure by the time we speak next week, we'll have a lot more of an idea whether we're going to the World Cup or not later this year. Guys, let's move on to the Premier League, and we had a title race is well and truly on now with City dropping a couple more points, and... We had uh, FA Cup quarterfinals as well. And would you know it, Liverpool will meet Man City in the semi-final of the FA Cup. And so they're both in the Champions League. They're both in a title race. And they're both meeting each other in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Tommy Sorensen, who wins what trophies out of these two teams? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a believer in, in, um, <laughs> in Man City, um, I must say. Um, you know, even though the momentum have swung, I, you know, what Liverpool have done over the last uh, month and a half is, is truly impressive. Um, it's a little bit of a dent that Trent Arnold uh, is out. I think uh, that can be crucial, you know, how long that's going to be. Whenever he's been out, you know, they've tried Milner. Gomez has, has played on that right-hand side, and it hasn't quite worked. They've looked a lot more vulnerable. They're not getting the same assists uh, down the other end. So, you know, I, I think... Klopp is playing the game there a little bit. He says a couple of weeks. Uh, I think he could potentially be back sooner. Uh, but if he stays out longer, I think it could swing in the favour mm. of Man City because they play. They, they play early. Liverpool no, they play early for the April. treble. They play <laughs> back to back. Do they? they? I think they do in the same week. They 
Oh, a week a week later. We've got the 10th, 10th of April, then, I think, is the league. And then the FA Cup is on the twenty yeah, so. uh, the seventeenth, sorry. And they could, yeah. if they both get through the group state or the next round of the Champions League, they could meet again. I do believe on the twenty eighth or twenty ninth in the next round of the Champions League potentially. So three times in one month, that would be incredible. I, I think there's only one game Liverpool have to be worried about come in the league come the end of the season, and that's that game against Manchester City. Mm. That that for me is the decider because I I don't see Liverpool dropping points otherwise. I mean I know they've got United, um, but I don't see Liverpool struggling. I think United are very average. I don't, I don't think I think Liverpool's going to be worried about that. They've got Everton. I mean Everton are all over the place, and I know Derby's mm. are different. But I I just look at the remaining fixtures and I just see Liverpool winning it. Mm. I, I I think they're they've been so good. You talk about Trent Arnold, uh, Alexander uh, Arnold being out. That obviously is a concern because he's a phenomenal player. However. They missed Mane and Salah in uh, in January, and we all thought they were going to struggle. They didn't. They got. They just got results. They got better and better. So I don't see that changing. Well, for Liverpool fans, it's an exciting month coming up because they go Benfica away, City away, Benfica at home, City away again in the cup. Then they've got Manchester United, and then they've got Everton in a Merseyside derby. That's the run wow. of fixtures for Liverpool. So it really is re- make or break. Do you realise how many how many Australian Liverpool fans have just gone online to look for <laughs> flights over to over there over to Europe to go and watch their team now? That is absolutely mouthwatering. Yeah. Yeah. What a time to go! It's amazing, amazing time for Liverpool. So I will, I will ask you though, okay? Because in the league, you've you've backed Liverpool. Schwartzy seems to back Liverpool as well. Sorensen, Tommy Sorensen with Man City. So I think once a City yeah, football course, group man, always a City football group man. <laughs> uh, what, what what about in the Champions League? Because Liverpool have been so good in European football. Man City, that seems to be the one that's missing. Can they win the Champions League? Uh, you know, again, uh, I, I, I was a great believer last year. Uh, I thought they were going to do it and then didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I start to believe they can't um, for some reason. Uh, they, they, it, mm. It's just become a little bit of a, you know, banana skin, that com- competition for them. And, and, and again, as you say, history means a lot. Uh, that that belief that Liverpool have in Europe, um, I think it's going to stand them in good stead. So, so I, in that competition, I see Liverpool as as, as favourites. I've got Bayern Munich for that one, Claude. Yeah, it's hard to look past them, isn't it? Bayern really hitting their straps. Look like they might have wrapped up the Bundesliga. We'll get there a little later on and cross to our Bundesliga correspondent, Schwartzy. A touch later in the episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's drop a little bit to those clubs that are fighting to be in the Champions League next season. And one of them is Arsenal. They, take a, they took a huge step towards it. And they're really playing out of their skin. Got back to winning ways after their slip-up against Liverpool. And uh, I th- look, I don't, like bringing up, I don't like bringing up other people on the podcast. And especially if I think you know, they probably don't really uh, deserve it. But Piers Morgan loves, it, loves a controversial tweet. And he came out after the game saying, uh, after Barcelona's 
throbbing of uh, Real Madrid. And he came out saying, look at that. I can't believe we let Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang go. Mikel Arteta needs to have a look at himself, all this and that. Now, first and foremost, he obviously doesn't probably know much about what he's talking about. We've heard the him guy's say a tool. Yeah, we've, we've heard him say some ridiculous stuff before, like David Beckham, you know the, the best most thing overrated. That, the best thing that happened to him, Claude, is when Brett Lee balled a ball down at him and broke one of his ribs down at the, <laughs> down at the cricket. That was incredible, mate, and I'd love to see that happen again. Yeah. Anyway, I think he's down here, actually. I think he's down in Australia, right? Anyway, it yeah, doesn't really is, matter. he is. I'm trying to tee it up again. I want him to crack four ribs this time. <laughs> um, surely he's got no idea what he's talking about, right? Because this was just a transfer which was just great for both parties, Bridgie. Yeah, it was. Aubameyang had at Arsenal. Not, I don't think he'd down tools. He just he wasn't enjoying his football. He'd had a bit of a fallout with Arteta. And he, I don't think he was playing in a... Uh, he was, you know, there was positions getting moved left, right and centre. It wasn't happening for him. And sometimes you need a change of scenery to freshen up your love of the game, to freshen up the surroundings and get your challenges and your targets and goals re realigned. And that's exactly what he's done. P.S. Morgan's taught like that. <laughs> if, has he, have you seen the way he was playing for Arsenal? He, he, he was a disgrace. He'd, yeah. he'd, lost his, he'd lost his drive. And now I'm not saying the, the hunger, he'd just lost his mojo. And there's a difference mm. between down and tools and actually going out there and going through the motions. Mm. I've been there myself when I was going through like total head loss of going down the divisions from the Premier League to the Championship trying to find me love of the game and I had to find it in Division 1 and Division 2 to get playing again and enjoy my football Aubameyang's gone to Barcelona it's not a bad place to go and they're on an unbelievable run under Xavi and he's got his zest back again so yeah PS stick to politics pal yeah, it's great for both of them. I'm sure the club, Arsenal, don't mind him gone. Not Pierre at all. Rick definitely doesn't mind it. So uh, you said about you've gone through that yourself. Mark, have you ever played with a player that either left or came in and was shite at the club before, but then they rolled into their new club and they were brilliant? Have you ever played that? Um, we, I, well, we had a, an inch. I think I've told the story once before about, uh, about uh, Yukubu when we had him at uh, Middlesbrough. And he was like, he was great. He was a really good player, right? But then all of a sudden, there was a there was interest from Everton, and Everton were desperate to sign him. And he his head was turned. He wanted to go. Obviously, must have known what they'd offered him and everything else, and all the opportunities that that were there. So he down tools. He okay. stopped playing, mm -hmm. and they played him in one of the games, and he was that bad. Honestly, he he literally the the crowd were going berserk. He did not move. Did not lift a foot, mm -hmm. and they took him off took him off at half time. The very next week, he was gone. Mm. Um, and and did, did he cop it from you guys, the players, or you guys kind of understood? <sighs> no, we, we were pissed off yeah. because you're just like, come on, like, what are you doing? It's like, okay, I understand you want to leave. Then he should be just saying to the manager, I, I don't want to play. I can't play. My head's not right. But then the problem is there is you, you, then you're refusing to play, aren't you? So it was just a bad decision, I thought, from the club to even play him. That, that's what I think, first and foremost. Mm. I just remember Yakubu for one of the worst misses I've ever seen at the World Cup in 2010 for Nigeria. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Ball was rolled to him. He had an open net and somehow managed to put it over the bar from about 30 centimetres out from goal. It's easy, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's go to uh, the other club, which seem to be Arsenal's biggest rivals. Well, they are Arsenal's biggest rivals, but even for this top four race this season, Tottenham Hotspur under Antonio Conte, Kane and Son add more numbers to the record, which has made them the most prolific duo in Premier League history. They passed, of course, Drogba and Lampard not long ago. Um, are they the best duo in Premier League history, Tommy Sorensen, even though they haven't won a trophy together? I, I think uh, they're the most balanced duo. I think uh, it, it and, and also on that list, it's the only duo with with two strikers. Um, you know, it, it's it tends to be a midfielder uh, and a striker. 
And I think they just got a, a perfect balance. Mm. Uh, you know, especially now where Kane is is drifting further afield. You know, he's drifting deep. His assists uh, has upped, um, and then just the work rate. They're, they're two team players, um, but but I agree with you. Winning a trophy, it, it's still a little dent in the in 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 the sort of recognition armor compared to some of the other greats. You know, looking at the list, you go Lampard, Drogba, you got Henri, Paris, uh, just behind them, and. <laughs> You know, the- Shearer and Sutton. Don't forget the SAS. <laughs> no, but, but, but they were but, unbelievable but, together at Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, and then Aguero Silva. So, so you, you're looking at th- those have won trophies on uh, mass. So, so it's still, but again, it's a joy to watch the the, the understanding they have uh, of each other. You know, drifting and and a lot of the the assists have come from deep. They, they're longer balls, uh, and that is a proof of the understanding. It's not it's not tip tap yeah. in the box. It's it's uh, balls hit from from wide, from deep, uh, so it's impressive. Yeah, it, it took me back. I remember Alex Song and Van Persie had this telepathy where Song would hit these direct balls to Van Persie over the top around that last period when he was at Arsenal. But Bridgie, have you ever played with a duo that just were telepathic on the pitch, and they were just, or have you either been yeah. part of that duo that you just you had that midfielder that you know was always going to feed you in the right spaces? Do you know what it is? I was, there was two people that I played alongside my football and career, and, and I always say it when I look back at the Leeds United 99-2000 with me and Harry Keel. Me and Harry did everything together off the field. It was, like I've said before, golf, computer, whether it was eating pizzas the quickest. We, you know, we, we hung around together. He was like the brother I never had. And on the field, every time like Harry had managed to get a goal, if you look at them and myself, it, we, we had this understanding. I don't know what it was, um, whether it was because we were so saw together off the field we don't know it was just something that the a lot of the assists came from harry and i got a lot of assists for him unless he went and did one of his solo runs with a shot from like 35 yards in the top corner i can't claim any satisfaction for them but that was a good understanding with him and there was another lad when i came to newcastle jets um matt thompson was a midfield runner and that season with tomo at the newcastle jets um I used to, I'd lost the legs to running behind and Tomo had had a good engine. I would get the ball and just a bit like Harry Kane does, then you'd turn, you'd drop off turn and Tomo used to just make these unbelievable runs um, and I'd find him. So I think he got, I think he was our top scorer that season and um, I'd got, got about eight or nine assists for him and he'd, he'd assisted me as well. So yeah, it, it's funny how it happens. It does happen and we, I mean, Tomo... Tomo about football, he, you know, he's now a real estate agent um, in the Merriweather region. He, he knows nothing about football. Every time I catch up and have a coffee, I'm like, oh, have you seen the Champions League? Have you watched any of the elite? He said, Bridgie, you know I don't like football, mate. I said, you're still playing, you're still playing local MPL. He's like, that doesn't matter. I, I just don't like football. Yeah. But we had this understanding, so I don't know what it was on the field. Yeah, we're dynamic together. And he assisted you in Harry. selling your house, right? So he still assists you. Assist there you go. <laughs> I, I think with the Harry Kuehl combination, you and Bridgie, the only reason you two were so good at prolifically at, at supplying each other is because you were mates and you didn't pass the ball to anyone else. Well, there you was. go. It's like back in the playground, isn't it? Playground football. Sometimes it's got a place in life. <laughs> um, actually, I'm glad you brought up that Leeds United side and, and I want to speak to you and 
and Schwartz even about this because I was doing my research. Potentially, you've experienced this too, Tommy. Arsenal and Spurs are the two clubs which are out of Europe. Arsenal weren't in Europe this season. Spurs bowed out quite early, and yet they seem to be the two clubs putting together some great runs of results going into the top four now. Whereas Manchester United and West Ham, West Ham, of course, stunned Sevilla in the Europa League. They're still moving there, but they've dropped points in the league. United, it goes without saying, up until last week, they were in Europe and they were dropping points as well. Do some clubs, are they just not well-equipped to play European football and club football? And can it be a benefit when you're knocked out of Europe early? Have you experienced that? Because, Bridgie, I was looking at that Leeds United side. Uh, they balanced it quite well. But when it got to 2003, they were in the UEFA Cup and they completely bombed in the league. And do some clubs just not have the squad depth? Nah, no, nah, we, we had it in the UEFA the first year when we got beat off Galatasaray in the semis. We you know we had a great run in the league and and over there um, in Europe. But we we changed a few things the following year in the Champions League, taking security guards with us, taking our own chef with us, because there was things that were going on off the field I've talked about, you know, like yeah. antics from other clubs and chairmen getting in touch with the hotels. So we, we learned a valuable lesson in Europe that, that year. Champions League set us up brilliantly, had a good finish in the league as well yet again. And then mm-hmm. the financial trouble hit and that's, I mean, that just derailed us completely. So we had a very, very young team and the games couldn't come fast enough for us. Like I say, when you're playing on a on a Saturday or a Sunday and then you're travelling to Europe, we, we thoroughly enjoyed it, we embraced it. And I didn't really see that impact us in the league. Some clubs, like you say, they get knocked out early, they can concentrate on that and they've got bigger squad depth. So listen, I just think it's how you how you have the the, the approach towards it and what you do, but it didn't impact us. So I, I don't see that playing. I think it's a lame excuse to say, oh, now we're out of Europe, we can concentrate in the league. I think it, it, the games couldn't come thick and fast. The more you play, the, more, the, the fitter you become and the more yeah. developed you get. Well, Schwartz, was that a case with your Fulham side 2010? You had an incredible run in the UEFA Cup, but you stumbled a little bit in the league compared to the year before. Would you say that you, you guys experienced a bit of that or not really? Oh, 100%. And it's all to do with, uh, with uh, the strength in depth. You know, the, the bigger sides have the, the better strength in depth. We, we didn't. So um, we, we had to try and manage situations better. We had to try and rotate players. We had older players as well. So like Bridgie talks about younger players, we, we had an older squad. Uh, a lot of experienced players. So it was a case of trying to manage those players, um, manage a, a decent position in the league, of course, but also then really try and give it a go in Europe. And, and once we went on a run, it was like the, the full focus, well, a lot of the focus and the majority of the focus then focused towards uh, doing well in Europe. And the league was not, it was kind of, it's not secondary because first and foremost, it's all about the league, right? But mm. but we were we were, safe and i think that's the best way to describe it and uh well for now we're gonna we are going to talk about west ham because they are still going in that league as well they're looking to try and, and recreate what some of those clubs like your fulham did um tommy david Moyes, where does he rank because i think that man united stint has damaged his reputation a little bit but besides that you look at what he was doing with everton and compared to where everton are now and they chop and change managers and they can't get back to that level what he's doing now with west ham is he the best manager out of the top three in the Premier League? Uh, ooh, so, yeah, the no, I've, you know, first of all, what he's done at West Ham, I think, uh, is fantastic. You know, he's, you know, just to now answering questions uh, about uh, potentially dropping out of the top four, uh, you know, shows how far he's, he's got that club. Um, you know, the, the players he's brought in, the, the, the careers he's revived, uh, revived um, and they're a force to be reckoned with. Um, so, so again, 
Is he a top, you know, is he a just outside? I think, you know, again, we, we can look at Arteta. I think has done a great job. Lamp, uh, sorry, um, Gerard at, at Villa. Stevie J. Yeah. Um, How up at Newcastle. So, so there, there, there's plenty, but, but he needs huge recognition for, for what he's done there. He still think he's, he's still that sort of old school manager. You know, he's great at reviving a dressing room. You know, he gets everyone on mm-hmm. the side. Uh, where some of the others are, are sort of the more modern breed uh, and probably the future of management. But uh, again, uh, you know, take nothing away from, from what he's done. Yeah. And you know what? Before we continue this conversation, Tommy, I want to apologise because Stoke City went on a Europa League run as well yeah, in 2012, 2011-2012 yeah, season. Yeah. Round of 32. <laughs> I, I missed that one. Yeah, and, and uh, we got knocked out by Valencia. So we actually went, uh, you know, uh, we, we didn't uh, just uh, turn up. We were actually doing stuff there. So... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant, and it didn't seem to affect your you league performance. Them, too imagine much. them Spanish players, Tommy, when they realised that they ha- you had a player that could throw the ball from the halfway line into the box. <laughs> yeah, but Claude, yeah, but Claude, Claude's excused, right? Because we know tw- Claude was like twelve years old when uh, Stoke went. Uh, on that <laughs> you're run. right, still in nappies, wasn't he? Oh, okay. Baby faced. Does that say anything about how old we are? Yeah, yeah you're yeah. all old. You're all old. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Devin Moyes. I mean, we, we actually ran this poll on, uh, I, I believe it was on YouTube community. I'm not sure where the lads ran it. Was one, it was on Optus Sports Socials. They got heaps, 19,000 votes on this one to say who was the best manager outside the top three. And the overwhelming favourite with 47% of votes was Mikel Arteta. Bridgie, is that fair? Ooh, who else was in there? Eddie Howe? Eddie Howe got 9%. Is that all uh, he more, got? Right. More than David Moyes. David Moyes, 6% of votes. Steven Gerrard got 32%. I was going to say, I that. thought Stevie G, for the amount of Liverpool fans that are over here, based on that, and really want to see him do well. Yeah. But I, I thought Eddie Howe would have got a lot more because of what he's actually... I love what he did with Bournemouth um, mm. and the way he was from a small club mentality mm-hmm. to, to get them playing. I know he couldn't keep them up in the end, but what he's done at Newcastle United just shows. I mean, that was a massive mm. job for him um, and the pressure would have been incredible. So I thought he would have got a lot more there. And interesting to see yeah. what six months can oh, do. David Moyes doing big things. And, and yeah, interesting to see what six months can do because yeah. <laughs> Arteta he was he was on the way out six months ago. So uh, you know you he know, was dead and buried yeah. after the first three yeah. games. Yeah. Very good decision by Arsenal to stick with him after he was getting absolutely hammered in those first few games. But uh, let's actually talk a little bit about the England squad. A few of those Arsenal boys, young lads, have been rewarded with a call up there, and, and Saka also scored their 2000th Premier League goal, but he became Premier League's highest goal scorer this season under the age of 21. It's crazy when you consider how young he is and how well he's doing to carry that front line. But we look at the England squad, and Bridgie, I'm going to go back to you here being the Englishman here on the podcast, because you need to answer something for me. You know I love my Serie You need to answer for me why Tamori never gets a call up to that squad, and I don't want to right. disrespect the Harry Maguires of the world or the Tyrone Mings, but how is he not in the squad? I can't understand it. I mean, uh, if you go back to a few squads prior, um, Gareth Southgate had put in, you know, Bamford from Leeds United. Now, Bamford's done well in the Premier League and scored some goals, but, you know, he was given an opportunity to get in that squad because of there was a bit of pressure on as well, and he was given an opportunity. You know, you're on about what? You're on about um, at Roma, yeah, Tammy? 
I was talking about Tamori at, at AC Milan, but Tammy, Tammy as well. But Tammy was called up. Oh, sorry, Tamori. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two of them. If you look at Serie A, there's, so there's two lads that I see out there. Tamori's doing an unbelievable job defensively. Yeah. They're flying high, and the season that Maguire's had an absolute shambles. So I agree with you. Like he, he's got to be given that opportunity to get in there. I don't know why, because you're learning a new trade over there. I mean, it's you know, you're learning from other tactics. You learn from other continents. You're learning, it, it, and I think it, it can only make you a better player. So Tamori. I agree with you. The one for me is Tammy Abraham. I, I, this guy's got to get a start. He's, he's got to get a go. And because he's just become the best debut season to score the amount of goals that he has done as a Roma player. He's beaten Batistuta. He's taken over Montella. I just think he's absolutely flying. I'm loving what he's doing. So another player, um, I know he, he's getting a sniff, but I want to see more action from him. And Tamori, I don't know. There's something going on there with him and Gareth Southgate, I believe, at, at some other form of um, level with England at the juniors. Because I know he, Gareth had a massive um, say in what went on there. I don't understand why, then, why he hasn't been given an opportunity, mate. Well, Tammy Abraham, you're gonna to have to wait to see him a bit longer because he's pulled out because of injury. Well, we know that. So one. he's not. He, yeah, yeah. So that's fine. But then with, um, uh, I think Tamori, the interesting thing was what Gareth said about Harry Maguire, that he never even considered dropping him. Mm. But how and can you not consider goes, dropping him? Well, I, I, I think it's more about reputation and more about what he's produced for England. And I think, you know, you can, Jordan Pickford, I think it's the same situation, same scenario. Well, that's another the joke as well, Sporty, because I'd drop him. Yeah, but then the, the issue you've got now is Aaron Ramsdale's pulled out as well mm. through through injury. So you kind of go, okay, so Sam Johnson's been called up from, uh, from West Brom. Um, so who, if you were to drop him, how would you do it? You know, would, I, I think you have to wait for Aaron Ramsdale to be back again before you drop him. I, I think it's a big loss for Aaron himself in these games because I think this was the perfect opportunity for Gareth to play him. However, Gareth sticks with players who do well for him even if they're not playing well for their clubs but do well for them when they're I don't think for anybody England. should be guaranteed game yeah. time just off, off being good in the past for England it's all about your form yeah but it, it works different Bridgie with, with the um, Tommy? With, the, with the national team you know it, it's a different environment it's a different dynamic and, and, and sometimes you do see players that suddenly uh, grow at the national team level uh, despite not playing particularly well you know they just have a different confidence a different belief from the manager and the, they just work better with, with play, the players around them so uh, I, I sort of get because I saw that at, it just cooks me as an England fan Tommy. yeah yeah I, I, and I get it <laughs> and I get it you know logically that's the way it should be that Maguire should be binned but um, but I, I also see the the side from 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 Southgate because I've seen it so many times uh, at international level where you, you think players are going to get dropped but then they play they play well and they fit the system yeah I, I think that's key I, I think the fact that you with the national team you've got so little time to work with players bringing in chopping and changing players all the time if players are out of form I think can be very dangerous look I mean the example we had earlier on just in our discussion on the podcast was you know who stands who plays in goals for Australia mm. and everyone was very unanimous in saying Manny Ryan he's played two games in the last what four or five months whatever it is so that that would normally be a worry but however when Manny Ryan plays for Australia he, plays, he always plays very very well so you can see why that happens and it's no different with England I mean I know England has more of a variety more people to select from in terms of the level that they're playing at but I think the principles are the same 
Yeah, it is interesting when I look at that England backline because you'd say it's City's absolute strongest. Stones wasn't really starting earlier this season. Maguire's having the season he is. Pickford is having the season he is. But it is tricky because, yeah, you have to look at that Euro 2020 where they were brilliant. That's the last time they really played at the highest level and you reward the players for that. And it is similar with the Socceroos as well. I, I bring up Aaron Moy. When Aaron Moy moved to China, a lot of people were saying he was going to get dropped. He never did because he's been so good in the Socceroos mm. jersey before. So it is a tough one. Big job for Gareth Southgate. Lots of expectation going into the World Cup. And, of course, we've got World Cup qualifiers coming up here on Optus Sport later this week for the remaining European positions. Schwartzy, if, if Italy do get knocked out, you probably won't see me next Tuesday because I'm dreading having to talk to you if they do. Although you'll probably be on a holiday somewhere skiing or something. You probably won't even be here, so that's fine. <laughs> Um, you'll have luck you'll have luck because I'm not on next week's podcast because I'm actually will be in transit I'll be flying back to the UK so you will hope that if it does happen it happens next week Uh, plenty of football coming up though that kicks off Friday morning here on Optusport and right all the way through to next Wednesday but uh, let's take a little trip around Europe which Schwartzy does also often we're going to kick it off in French Liga where PSG were embarrassed over the weekend 3-0 to Monaco it is a huge loss and Pochettino came out after the game saying that they've still got a bit of a hangover and they're still struggling after being knocked out of the Champions League. Tommy Sorensen, oh, what are you diddums. making <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, you know, again, it, it, obviously for them, it's it's just become Champions League or, or bust. Um, and, and 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 you know, they've they've sewn up the the the, the league and they've done that for for the last. So, so it's sort of. It, it's not important, and and now you know the wheels have come off. The money they've spent with Messi, you know everything was set up for this season, and they've disappointed again massively. Um, so again, it's just a, another excuse. I think Pochettino is, is obviously trying to protect himself, uh, but uh, I can't see him lasting, you know, uh, past the end of this season for sure. Um, and and uh, I, it's it's going to be. It's going to be a, an interesting uh, time as well going forward, what, what they're going to do, because you know, they're sort of stuck in the middle. They can't go anywhere in the Champions League, and, and, and there's not really any competition in the league. I think the players, again, have, have lost their mojo. They, this, this season's over. Like you say, they've, yeah, already, yeah. they've yeah. wrapped up the league. They're out of the Champions League, and they're kind of going, oh, let's just get this season done and dusted. And I think Pochettino is as well. I think he's kind of over it and seeing where his next opportunity is going to be. It just sounds like, why would you want to take that job? I mean, they're all saying Zinedine Zidane, but why would you want to take that job where it's like, unless you win the Champions League, you're gone, you're fired. You know, literally Tommy Tuchel Probably because second. he could buy six mansions after he's finished his <laughs> job. <laughs> That's true. That is true. We'd all probably take it. That is true. Uh, actually, I'll stick with you, Bridget. Let's go over to Spain where we mentioned it earlier on the pod. Barcelona hammered Real Madrid in El Clasico and the celebrations were huge after the game. But did that just show us how important Karim Benzema is to this team? Because he finally had to sit a game out and they collapsed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's a, it's not a one-man band, but he's definitely a focal point and a, a game-changer, as, as we saw in the Champions League. He's a, he's a vital part of what they are, and he's got the experience. So I think he can. he's seen as one of them leaders. He's down the spine as well. I always say if you've got a good spine in any team, you'll have, you'll have success. And um, yeah, but that was that was just I think Xavi at his, at his finest, bringing back the... I loved his interview afterwards when they were asking him what's it all about. And he listed off all the things that he had been as a Barcelona man himself as a player and what he learned and what he's trying to adapt. And all the players looked like they were playing with a, a, a total new lease of life. And they, they caught Real Madrid 
at home and um yeah it wasn't wasn't pretty scenes after the game was it from the fans as well so i'm yeah. i'm all for that one and yeah benzema was a loss but he, he wasn't that much of a loss not a not a four nil defeat like that that was um that was a, a total humiliation and i don't you know they're back on i don't think they can catch them i still think madrid will win the title but barca man what a what a turnaround 12 12 games now unbeaten um yeah. very impressive it sets up a tasty next season, really, when you really yeah. think it should go back to a two-horse race. Schwarzy, Kavi, and Pedri, there's been a lot of noise made about them. Can they be, maybe at the end of their career, could they be considered in the same bracket as a Xavi and Yesta partnership? Do you see shades of that at the moment, or is it way too early? I think it's way too early. Um, but obviously, no doubt, that they're, they're, they're incredibly talented players. Um, this next couple of seasons, obviously, you're telling, telling time to see whether or not they, they reach the heights of say Xavi or Iniesta um, but like Bridget's saying there exciting times for Barcelona they look good they look very very good um, and you know we could see with Real Madrid a complete turnover of players very very soon because they do look very tired here's one for you the start of the season Braithwaite um, oh, who, who was, oh, who was come the, on, the, three, the three up front for Barcelona at the start <laughs> There was Braithwaite, don't De Jong, have, and somebody else. Don't have no, a go in Danish, going, man. Don't Torres. have a go <laughs> Memphis. Man, I'm telling you, it, it just didn't, it wasn't exciting. It was. No, it just no. looked like there was no goals. And then halfway through the season, you get Torres, Aubameyang, and Dembele, and Dembele, man. Please, do me a favour. Yeah. I'm going to buy my season ticket back for Barca. At the start of the season, I was burning it. <laughs> they do look like a whole different squad now, plus the youth that they've promoted. Still maybe a question mark or two around a few ageing, a few heavy legs between Piquet and Busquets, but they've made it work and they look really good. It's good to see. And they're still in the Europa League as well, so maybe they'll go on a run there as well. Tommy Sorensen, Serie You know I want to talk a little bit of Serie Just a quick one. Of course. Inter drop points again. They've dropped points in five out of six league games now. They just, I don't know, it's stumbling. It's that defending champion's curse. AC Milan and Napoli both looking like a two-horse race. Juventus in behind. Who wins it from here? Oh, you've got to give it to AC Milan. I think, uh, you know, since that derby, I think the derby was the turning point. Uh, with 15 minutes to go, Giroud uh, getting those goals. Um, I think it rattled Inter. Uh, they, they haven't been the same since. Uh, and, and Milan, you know, they have Slatan Slatan mm. is back. Um, you know, so they've just got another option up yeah. front. Giroud has got a new lease of life. He, he scored the winner down in Napoli as well. You know, so, yeah, and you just see uh, the other teams sort of ascending and, and Inter, they look tired a little bit, uh, you know, we were talking about before. It's, it, you know, Dzeko, I think, has been played too many games. Handanovic has, it hasn't looked as strong in goal. Uh, and Saki, uh, it looks like tactically he's not getting it right as well. So, it, yeah, I, I see I see Milan uh, definitely running away with it now. Um but but what a what a run in it, it you know it's it's going to be exciting for sure um, it, it's not done and dusted yet. Well, you you've got in Milan yeah. next week, haven't they? That's going to be a, cl- yeah. a classic. And now, looking at the fixtures, I've got to agree with Tommy because I think AC Milan now have weathered out their tough games. The next four or five matches for them, are, it's quite plain sailing. I know you can't say that in professional football, but um, it looks looks like they could really run away with it over the next few few weeks. Massive for them. Inter will push the. Uh, sorry, Napoli will push them right to the end. Of course, they haven't won a title since Maradona was playing. But uh, it's it's good for the Serie A to have these type of title races back once again. And I think that's that's all our top European leagues, isn't it, gentlemen? We, we didn't miss any. I don't think we missed any. Ah, oh, there he is. Oh, come on! He's, look, he's who's, look at him. 
He's just lifted his nose up. Everybody takes. He's taking a bait. He's taking a bait. He's steaming the Bundesliga. Let, let's chat a bit of Bundesliga. Schwarzy, Dortmund have just handed 10 straight titles to Bayern Munich, haven't they, this weekend? Almost, yeah. Oh, God, what are they doing, honestly? You, you thought there was a chance, there was an opening. Bayern had slipped up a little bit. Uh, Dortmund were grinding out results without Haaland in the side. He came back last, last week. Um, they, they won again. So um, drawing against Cologne is a bad, bad result, especially, especially off the back of Bayern's, you know, Brushing aside Union Berlin 4-0. Um, it is a two-horse two race, but but obviously Bayern have got the next in, in, in front. I mean, the the big game's 23rd yeah. of April, but they've only got yeah. seven games to go. That will be four games down the line, and if the, the points, the gap stays the same, they haven't got a lot of games to make up for it, you know, the last three games after that. So that is a big moment, but Dortmund away and Bayern, I, I still I just see Bayern, Bayern will be too strong. Yeah, it's time. They, they, they needed to, to close that gap. Look, Bayern have Freiburg away this week. Uh, sorry, next week after the international break. That's that's a tough-ish game. But you know, Bayern in this yeah. stage of the season, this is where they just go to another gear and they always just win it and, and bring it home. That'd be ten straight, Schwartzy. But uh, what I will say about the Bundesliga is the relegation fight is incredible this season. So that has been very entertaining with Hertha Berlin bringing in Felix Magath and winning three nil as well. It's it's incredible what's going on down there, isn't it? Huge, absolutely huge. I mean, Halter, I, I was in the Olympic st- Olympia Stadium uh, last week, and when they beat, they got beaten by Eintracht Frankfurt four one, and they were terrible. They were diabolical, and they got absolutely hounded by their own supporters. And, and in Germany, you have to go over to the fans after the game, and they got they got absolutely crucified. Um, it's never nice to see. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a number of teams there that can still very easily get dragged in. And obviously, Halter in that in that prime well. In that in that relegation playoff position, but Falkenberg look at Augsburg uh, are not far off it. And the other surprising one is Borussia Mönchengladbach are not that far away from it either because they've really had a poor season. Yeah, I love giving a shout out. We forgot Claude's in your league, Serie A. It was David Zrilic yet again for Genoa getting a result over <laughs> Torino one nil, mate. That's four draws and a win in the relegation battle. It's incredible what what they're doing um, over there. I've been watching his social media, so. Any other Aussies doing well around the world, I'm happy to watch them and cheer them on. Definitely. What an impact for Zdrilla over there. He's had a great managerial career already, a young one. Um, guys, let's, let's, before we wrap up, we've got a couple of fan questions that are tailor-made for a few of you. The first one is for you, Bridgie. It's from Callum Ross. He's asked, do you think Leeds United will stay up now with Jesse Marsh? Yes, they will. Definitely, there's no doubt about it. That was a an incredible win against you know teams in and around them. They beat the Norwich. Um, they've you know that that comeback against Wolves that was so inspired. So I think they've given themselves just enough breathing space now. The gap is what seven points off Watford, who are on 22. Leeds have given themselves a, a good little opportunity, and um, oh, yeah, them, them two results have been huge. Going forward, you know, it's 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 always going to be tough in the Premier League. You never know what is going to happen. But the next game for me is the decider. It's they've got Watford, and yeah, I can see Leeds staying up all day long. Brilliant. There you go. Leeds to stay. They do look good. They look rejuvenated now. Schwartzy, these next ones from you from Pal. Pal asks Ramsdale or Mendy, who's the best keeper in the Premier League this season? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um. <sighs> Uh, look, I think Ramsdale has certainly been the one that's caught most people's eye because of the type of saves he's made, how how um, 
I mean, theatrical is probably a little unfair. Like, you know, big, big saves. But I think Mendy, Mendy you can't underestimate. Uh, what I like about Mendy is he's really cool, calm, and he makes difficult saves look really easy. And I, and I that's what I like about him. So I, I don't think he's going to get as much of the credit um, this season than, than, say, someone like Ramsdale, who is very, very uh, animated in, he, in mm. the way he plays. Mm. Even though I think Aaron Ramsdale's done incredibly well, I think he's done really, really well. And I've, I'm going to say Aaron Ramsdale right now at the moment. But, mm. I, but I, I just say can't underestimate how good a job Mendy does. Mm. Two world-class keepers. Last one for another world-class keeper, Tommy Sorensen. Lucas Kramer has asked, no one's talking about Villarreal in the quarterfinals. Can they go on to win the Champions League? Oh, yeah, they surprised me down in Juventus, uh, but uh, you know, so I'm sure they can surprise again, but not not win it. No, sure not, surely not. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 they've done a great. Mm. They've got Bayern, haven't they? Yeah, you know, I I, I can't. Are they are they playing Bayern Munich? No yeah. chance. No, I, I I say they've had a fair, fair they had a but fair until what... now, and and you know, again, great what they've done, but nah, not win it for sure not. <laughs> That's what everyone said when they had Juve. When they drew against Juve. Yeah, yeah, Villarreal, but, no chance. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not the same. I mean, look, it's not the much, same as playing yeah, Bayern. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you. Juve are not the same Juve as they've been in the past. Um, but you know, Emery, he knows how to win in European football. But but did you watch the game? Did, no. You know, Juve should have been two or three up. Yeah, but you've got to take your chances, don't you? You know, but they should have been up in the game. You've got to take your chances. Yeah, yeah, You've got to take your chances. You get punished. Whoa, the goalkeeper's union is flying off the handle. Three tune, tune in next week to see who wins when we do the charity boxing match between Tommy Sorensen and Mark Swartz. <laughs> oh, I'd pay to see that. I'll tell you that much. I would pay to see that. But, um, yeah, look, they, they are showing shades. They are showing shades of maybe that Atletico Madrid side, which won the Europa League in 2012, and they played Chelsea in the Super Cup as well after that. They went on a run all the way to the... Champions League semi-finals I want to say then they were in the final the following year against Real Madrid so Villarreal is showing similar things he's really built this squad over a few years they've already had European success albeit in the Europa League and maybe they they can get the job done but yeah it depends very much on the draw and the draw has not been favourable to them um, but huge course, fo- I've got a question for you as well mate if you don't mind cool. interrupting oh of course yeah? mate so you're because I know you're the, obviously Italy are playing um, who this week yeah, we've got uh, North Macedonia on Friday morning. Correct. In Portugal, I've got Turkey, yeah? Yes. So what I'm going to do, Thomas Sorensen, question, quick one for you. Portugal or Turkey to win? Ah, oh, Portugal. Thank you. I'm going to go to the Italian stallion, Italy, North Macedonia, Claude's to win and go through. Uh, it's going to be tough, isn't it? It's going to be very tough. I, I, I like to think that Italy can get that done. There home. you go. So we'll get the deciding vote to Mark Swartz. So who is going to go through and who is going to miss out on the World Cup? Is it going to be <laughs> Portugal or Italy, Mark? If you're not here next week, to just throw it out there. Just be honest. I'm going to go Portugal. Portugal. I hope Portugal win. <laughs> Come on, I hope they do. Yes. <laughs> wow. There you go. Right, I'll just... Thanks for the gig and pod, Claude. Brilliant. Top on. After that charity boxing match, if Schwartz has got anything left, I'll, I'll be happy to jump in. I'll be happy to jump in. Um, but plenty of football coming up guys you are really treated to it all those European games are here on Optus Sport and there's also World Cup qualifiers all around the world our Aussies are in action let's hope they can get the job done there's big games everywhere in Africa there's the final deciding games as well five matches and five will go through five will go home and one of it is the rematch of the final of course Egypt take on Senegal for a place in the World Cup so that is Salah up against Mane yet again over in uh, South America we've got Uruguay who's playing Peru and you'd think the loser of that game is probably going to finish fifth 
And hopefully it won't matter for the Socceroos, but if we do have to play them, then that will be the team that we'll be playing for a place in the World Cup. So there's so much going on this weekend. It really is an incredible week of international football. And we'll be back. Well, I'll be back with Bridgie and Tommy, not Mark, because Mark's a jet setter going all around the world, living his best life. But we'll be back next Tuesday to try and debrief everything, make sense of it all here on the Gagan Pod. But until then, guys, have a fantastic week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.